Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. The great state of Alaska is not only breathtaking in its beauty, but boasts of a rich history. And that's the focus of the new book, Alaska Veterans. And I'm joined by the author, retired United States Air Force Colonel, Sue Ellen Wright Novak. Sue Ellen, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, my privilege and pleasure. Can you tell me all about what you've written in Alaska Veterans? Alaska Veterans is an expanded version of the guided tour that I gave for years of the Alaska Veterans Museum. Hmm. And so it tells little-known stories. I mean, even the Alaskans that are up here, they don't, they don't know this history. Wow. And so this introduces all of that. And for our visitors who are up here, it gives them a chance to take something home so that other people can hear those stories. Was there anything in particular that inspired you or sparked the idea to write this? Well, I'm the founding executive director for the museum. And the number of people that I would have come in that would take tours with me would say, hey, you know, is any of this written down? Or maybe what you should do is maybe you should put flyers at each exhibit telling the story. I says, no, people aren't going to take the time to do that. And so that kind of birthed the idea of writing a book. Hmm. Have you ever done this kind of thing before? What does your writing background look like? Writing for the Air Force. <laughs> no, I don't have a writing background. This, is, this was something totally new and different. Well, congratulations on getting a book out there. Thank you. I'm sure you learned a lot. What was the most challenging part of writing and publishing? Oh, I guess just the length of the process because of everything that you have to go through. Mm. And, of course, being in the military, I wasn't necessarily used to someone else's time frame. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a great experience. Christian Faith Publishing is the best, and I would highly recommend it to any of the authors out there. Would you do it again? Would you think about writing another book? Well, actually, I have thought about doing a second volume that actually talks about Alaska's role in the Cold War era, because we had a massive role in that. But I don't know. My life has taken another turn, so maybe not. We'll think about it. About how long was the process from when you started writing it to when it hit store shelves? A little over a year. It took me five weeks to write the book. The rest of it was the process, and that's fine. There has to be an established process. Absolutely. Do you have any words of advice now? You know, a lot of our listeners right now are aspiring authors. What words of wisdom could you give them? Well, the words of wisdom I would give would be make sure you triple check all of your facts. Make sure that everything is to the T. The T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, all that good stuff. And as I said before, go with Christian faith because they make it very easy to work with them. Yeah, it's really wise to partner with a reputable publisher who's been down this road many, many times and can anticipate a lot of the things that you might encounter along the way and get you in a really good position. Correct. That and their publicity, their press releases, everything else, they do a fantastic job. Now, when you're writing, it can be a lonely thing because normally you're just doing the whole thing by yourself. Did you have people who knew you were working on this and could be there to back you up and maybe give you encouragement along the way? Well, definitely my husband. 
and the staff at the museum was very helpful. In fact, I had to turn to them to get some photos. But yes, they were very encouraging. Mm. Can you tell me the thoughts or emotions going through you whenever you got this first book in your hands? Oh my gosh, is this for real? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never thought that a first-time author with, you know, first shot out of the cannon would score. So this has been a humbling experience in that respect. So could you give me an example? What do you think is one of the most surprising things about Alaska that people don't know about? That the Battle of Attu actually occurred and there was a World War II land battle in North America. Hmm. They don't know that there were Attuans, the indigenous people that were taken to Japan and detained in a camp. Almost half of them would lose their lives there. Wow. People just don't know this story. And the sad part is even even Alaskans, it is part of Alaskan history, but even Alaskans, the majority, do not know the story. I mean, after all, come on, the Japanese came onto the islands in June of 1942, and we didn't take the islands back until we took Attu back starting in May, 43. And then we went on to a deserted Kiska because the Japanese had pulled all of their troops out by submarine and under cover of another storm. So people, they simply don't know that. They don't know of the heroism of the defenders of Attu in -hmm. particular. It actually was the second most costly battle in the Pacific War, the second only to Iwo Jima. But folks folks do not know that. The historians will tell you that the Battle of Attu was simply a sidelight to Midway. Well, I got news for you. To the guys who fought there, it was no sidelight. Wow. And this story needs to be told. People need to know it. After all, that was only the second time we had been invaded and occupied in our history, in U.S. history. Wow. Truly is an important story to tell, and Sue Ellen, thank you for your hard work to get this really important history out to us. The name of the book is Alaska Veterans, written by Sue Ellen Wright Novak, retired colonel of the United States Air Force. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Sue Ellen, thanks again for coming on the show here tonight. I had a nice time finding more out about Alaska and about the history that's out there, and it was just really nice chatting with you. My privilege and pleasure. Thank you. It's been great. I think the title of this next book is something many of us can say. I know I sure can. It's called My Teacher Changed My Life. Lee Armstrong is the author, and he's sitting down right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me what you've written about in My Teacher Changed My Life? Well, I've, I've had, I'm, well, I'm now 76 years old, and I've had a very interesting life, both personal and professional. The uh, teacher changed it because I wanted to be an automotive engineer, but I was never going to graduate from high school. I um, went to six different high schools, some strange things. But anyway, um, I wasn't going to be able to graduate. My teacher said in calculus class, you're one of the smartest kids I've had. Where are you going to college? And she thought she named a few like MIT kinds of places. And I said, I can't go to college because I'm not graduating. Mm. She got back to me a week later, and a friend of hers was involved in uh, administration at a local engineering school. And she got me enrolled in the engineering school without finishing high school. <laughs> wow. So I went on and uh, wound up over the years with a master's level in mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, computer science, and systems engineering. And my whole career has been looking at the future technologies. Where are we going? How do we get there? And 
that has been my whole career, hmm. which has been interesting in itself. But then my personal life is things like my first wife started having an affair with a man who was just getting out of prison for killing his wife. Oh my gosh. Which is strange enough she'd have an affair with him in the first place, but then uh, she um, wanted to marry him. So she filed for a divorce and then she had her second thoughts and said, words I'll never forget. Why can't you just share me? Wow. <laughs> so anyway. We did want to get a divorce. My second wife was just so incredible, and we had such a great life. And with my travel, my business, I've run a consulting job for my own company for the last 20, 25 years, and traveling all over the world. And she started coming with me, and we would average six months a year away from home all over the world. Wow. And there's so many great stories to tell just about our travels. So anyway, that gives you a, a brief, very brief summary. I, I first wrote the book is uh, throughout things like the bit with my first wife, I'd be taking notes and writing up what was going on. And the same with business, I'd be writing up some of the technology I was working on. And I realized a couple of years ago that I was telling friends this could make a good story. Hmm. So I wound up pulling out all my old notes and wrote it up as it began the my friend Spy said, you should make this a book. And I did. And it got first was getting published last winter, but my wife passed away in December. Oh, I'm sorry. And the publisher agreed to make it like a second edition. So I could cover the last two years. And that's what's now out is what I call second edition that uh, includes the last couple of years and with my wife passing. Mm-hmm. That is as short a summary as I think I can give right now. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like this before? Have you ever written a book? Have you ever been published before? No. Oh, I I, I publish, but all technical papers. Mm. I've got boxes full of papers I've written. Well, for instance, I was in uh, a resort we go to every year in St. Martin and met a couple we got to be friends with. And the guy said, oh, you're an engineer. I said, yeah, where do you work? What do you do? And I told him, he said, oh, my God, you're that Lee Armstrong? Wow. I researched everything you ever did and wrote and read everything you ever wrote. No kidding. So, yeah, that's my publication is all technical papers and things and patents. Well, congratulations on getting this first book out there. Uh, how did it feel when you got the first copy in your hands of this? I felt a little surprised, amazed, pleased. I wasn't sure... <laughs> I, I I just I, I feel a little happy that it's finally getting out there and I can tell my whole story in in this way. And so I just I guess I felt glad that I could get it done and get out there. The title of the book is My Teacher Changed My Life. It's written by Lee Armstrong and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick and mortar stores. Lee, thank you again for joining me tonight. Thank you for writing your book and putting your life out there for everybody to read. I had a great time chatting with you tonight. Okay, thank you, and goodbye. The next book we're talking about here tells about a life that many would see as negative, but it's turned into a positive, and that's the life of M. Doctor, the author of Dancing in the Rain. Now, the author, Mary, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mary, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, You've used what's happened to you in your life to write this book. So can you tell us what Dancing in the Rain is all about? It's just a glimpse of a period in my life that changed me, which would have been for the the bad. Mm. But it just turned around that I was able to, to dance in the rain. 
that's what it's all about. Like overcoming your obstacles and the things that happen to be able to still dance and give God praise. It's a great message. Was there anything in particular that gave you the idea or inspired you to write your story and tell the world? Yeah, it was many years of just putting down little pieces of it and then finally just feeling the confidence that it's a message that should be heard and that I w- it was pressed upon my heart to write it because somebody needed to read it, somebody needed to hear that their beginning was not their end. Hmm. How long were you working on this? It was off and on a couple of years, I guess, but when I sat down to do it and really got everything together, it didn't take me long. It took me a month to, to put it together. Is this your first time at writing or publishing? It's the first time publishing, yes. I took classes at a university where I worked, and I was encouraged by my teachers to continue to write. This book was my first that I had the courage to to send out there to see if, if it was worthy of being published. Congratulations on your first book. How's it Thank feel you. now that you call yourself a published author? <laughs> it's amazing. I mean... At my age, I didn't think that I had more to accomplish, but it goes to show that age is only a number and you can keep on being great as long as you have breath. Absolutely. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of writing this and publishing this. Could you offer any words of advice to the aspiring authors out there? People have come to me and they said, I have, I have a book in me. And I said, just sit down and write it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to put any expectations on yourself or have a um, compare yourself to anybody else. Just write down your thoughts and then go back over them. And then you'll see that it'll begin to flow out of you and you will have a creation that you never thought that you were able to do. Hmm. Have you given any thought to writing more and publishing more in the future? Well, I've already published my second book. Oh, wow. It's called Surviving the Storm. And it's, it just was published um, about a month ago. I'm on to my third book. Wow. Actually, I just sent it in yesterday. I, I really want to do a book a year hmm. for as long as I can, you know, and um, I've already have some, some of the material already done. So I just, I'm just moving forward. I mean, I don't want to stop now that I've started. I don't want to stop. Wow. Sounds like you enjoy writing now. Do you ever get writer's block? Of course. But what I usually do when something like that happens, I'll reread, and as I'm rereading, I'll get more thoughts. Mm. And then I'll, I might have to put it aside for a, a few days or whatever, but I always come back to it. Mm. Did you have people in your life who could support you and encourage you? I knew you were writing this book, knew you were working on getting it published, and they could be there to back you up? <laughs> no, not really. Oh. <laughs> not really. I mean, I had the memories of my teachers who, who told me that I could do it, and then I just. I really just prayed about it, and um, the encouragement that I got was a sense of urgency to do it. Mm. And I just pushed through, and the result is that beautiful book. This book is called Dancing in the Rain, written by M. Doctor. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can find it everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Mary, thank you again for sitting down here with me tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Author Michael Meyer has a new book in stores. It's a crime thriller. It's titled Exit Strategy. I'm really happy that Michael is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Michael, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Can you tell me about the story you've told in Exit Strategy? 
Yes, it's kind of a, a crime thriller, if you will. It uh, takes place in uh, communities, in a mythical community, fictional, in Minnesota, suburb south of Minneapolis-St. Paul, where an armored car disappears with $50 million after a casino racetrack has their busiest weekend. At the same time, there's another horrendous crime taking place where a school is under siege, which is a problem way too prevalent in our society today. And it turns out that the two are somehow combined. And the FBI, who happened to be mostly ex-military, are now tracking this crime against the perpetrators who also happen to be ex-military. So it kind of delves into the psyche of people who serve and why they serve and, and some of these things and what results is, or what comes as a result of it. Ah, super interesting. Uh, how did the idea for this come about? I always had something along uh, a heist book in the back of my head, and, and so I wanted to do that. And then after being exposed to working in a casino racetrack environment, that seemed like a good setting, you know, not this particular place, but, you know, just in general. Hmm. And so it just built from there. About how long were you working on it? Way too long. <laughs> Five years. So the five years I, I, I was doing, I was working full time in the hospitality industry. And if you know anybody who works in the hospitality industry, it's not a nine to five job. It's, you know, right. 60, 70 hours a week, especially in management. Mm. So I tried to do, you know, both at the same time. And I finally, during COVID, had the time to actually finish the one with the publisher, Exit Strategy, and then write the sequel. I was going to ask about that next. Is this your first time writing books, being that you already have the sequel? It is. This is the first, well, it's not my first published work so much as it's my first published manuscript. I've always written for the hospitality industry in terms of, I was in marketing, so I'd create websites, I'd create brochures and write that copy, a lot of copywriting. Hmm. And then also requests for proposals for like baseball stadiums, football stadiums. Our company was in that business. And so I would work on a team to write the response to those proposals so that it could be 100, 200 pages long. So, hmm. uh, And then published works in magazines for the industry here locally and uh, nationally, successful meetings, magazines, stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, fiction writing can be a little bit of a different animal than the nonfiction. So when you went to write this, did you have it outlined from beginning to end? Did you know how you wanted everything to play out or was it more exploring as you went? You know, that's, that's funny you ask that because no, I did not. Okay. Which is, which is a crime because it's exactly what you do when you're answering response to a proposal. No, I had this burning desire to do this story and just started writing it and which was just horrendous. <laughs> and then it took me three years to fix everything that was wrong. You know, just little things that you catch that, you know, are very important to story. Like if a person's a lieutenant, then he's still a lieutenant. He can't be a sergeant later, <laughs> a captain right. or you know, these types of just crazy things. Now, learning from the first one, I do use an outline. And actually, I start with a premise and then go to an outline. And in the outline, each chapter is outlined briefly what I hope to gain from the beginning to the end and then who the main characters are. And, and I've already developed them as part of the premise. So I use that. And that's worked out really, really well. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Exit Strategy, written by Michael Meyer. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find this everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Michael, thanks again for joining me. This sounds like a really, really great read. I'm really happy that we could talk tonight. It's an absolute pleasure, Corey, and uh, I thank you for reaching out. 
It's a story of redemption. It's called Blue Sunday, and it's the new book out right now by Latricia Thornton. And Latricia is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Latricia. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. Now, can you tell me all about the story that's in Blue Sunday? So the assistant pastor, uh, Gregory Emery, had a, I guess, like a close to death experience, or he thought he was going to die because he thought he had cancer. But God, he prays to God, and God sees him through it and everything, and he comes back with great results from the doctor. And so therefore, you know, he feels like he's got a new lease on life. And because his practice, his business is in the business of saving souls, he thinks about his old best friend from high school who had got caught up in drugs and ended up going to prison. And he decides that he kind of wants to just kind of reach out to him and maybe try to help him find God if he hasn't already. He goes off to another state and everything, and he tries to see him in prison, but his friend Shane Godet refuses to see him. Fast forward about four years later, Shane ends up in his old town, but he's a homeless man, and he ends up going to the church, not because he wants to, but by some miracle of God, God puts him in the right place at the right time. And Greg is doing this thing where he's helping homeless men in the community by giving them a job to work on things at the church. And they work for six months. They give them room and board and everything. And then they give them the money at the end of the six months so that they can help them get them on their feet, get them a place to live and everything. And Shane ends up going in and they, they think he's somebody else. The other person who was sent from another church, the homeless guy never shows up. So Shane is thought to be the homeless guy. Shane ends up ends up breaking his leg and the doctor is explaining to Greg, hey, you know, this person's not going to be able to work for a while. They're going to need somebody to help take care of them. And so he allows Shane to come and live, not inside the house, but in his workshop. And then a storm comes and a storm basically causes the workshop to be unlivable. So then Shane has to live in his house under his roof. Both men have these dreams. Some seem like nightmares, but they're all a message from God. Hmm. The little girl, the four-year-old, which is Gregory's daughter, is also part of decoding the messages of the dreams and basically throughout the book. You find that she's talking to somebody, but you're not really sure that this person, in the beginning, it seems like she's talking to a person that's alive, but we find out later on that this person is somebody that has passed in the family. And this person is reaching out through a four-year-old to help Shane and even Greg. But it has a really good ending. Now, this is a novel, and I know a lot of it has to do with dreams, interpreting dreams. And I understand this is something you've been interested in for a while. Yes, yes. My mom and my aunt used to always interpret dreams. Somebody would have a dream in the family, and they'd tell them, oh, well, you know, you know, you see somebody lose a tooth, it's a sign of death. You know, just various things. You see somebody get married, somebody's going to die. And a, a lot of it seems kind of like doom and gloom, but it's interesting the way that they would be able to kind of interpret it. I believe that God gave me a gift. He gave me the gift of discernment with dreams. So when I have dreams and I try to figure them out, you know, God, you know, helps me see it and understand it in a way that he needs me to see it or understand. It. And even when other people tell me dreams, I kind of give them a message of what the dream means. Hmm. So it's, it's interesting because, you know, throughout our lifetimes, we all have dreams, but we don't, all, we don't all remember exactly what we dream. And I think 
that God wants us to remember the dreams that are important, the ones that we don't remember, they're not that important to our lives. Hmm. What's your writing background look like? Have you written before? Have you been published before this? No, no, no. A friend of mine told me that I should write because I used to, I normally write romantic short stories for him because, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, my boyfriend. He told me that maybe I should write a book. And I thought he was joking at first. And then I thought about it and I said, well, you know what? That might be a good thing. It might might not end up well, you know, because I, I like telling a story and I like giving somebody hope. Mm. I guess that's the best way to put it. You know, even when things look kind of grim, you still have hope. It's called. Blue Sunday, written by Latricia Thornton and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Latricia, thank you for telling me all about Blue Sunday. I really enjoyed our talk. Thank you. I appreciate you. We here at the Reader House Author Roundtable love books that pass wisdom on to the younger generation. Author Jan Sherman is doing just that in her new book, Brandon the Bee, Be You. I'm really happy to be joined by Jan here right now. Jan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Could you tell me all about Brandon the Bee, Be You? Absolutely. This book is near and dear to my heart. It is about bullying and how Brandon the Bee has a blue stripe and he was bullied and how Queen Bee just tells him that he's perfect just the way he is and that he should embrace his differences and just kind of encouraging him. And then he goes through this dream of this mean bee. It's Lucas the bully bee. And he just is um, making fun of his blue stripe. And Brandon the bee is just scared. But then something inside of him wells up and he's got this incredible confidence and he just says, blue stripe power. And, and, and he just realizes that he's got something somebody else doesn't have. Mm. The whole moral of this book is bullying is a real thing and children get bullied. But if we can embrace our differences, we can see that we are special just the way we are. Mm. What a great message. Did you have an age range of children in mind when you wrote this? Probably four to eight. How did you get the idea for this story? Well, you know what? I just wanted to bring simple life lessons to children in a way that they can understand. And I know that that's something that they struggle with. And this main character, Brandon the Bee, is kind of after my late son, Brandon, Mm. and some of the things he went through. And I wanted to bring that out and just just have little children understand that they, they are wonderful. So I'm just trying to pick, and this, and Brandon the Bee is a book series. Mm. My first book was called Be Kind, and then this one's Be You. So it's just bringing good morals into the homes and to, to the lives of children. Mm. Certainly. Thank you for that. Now, you mentioned this being a series. Do you have more planned then after this? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm working on my third Brandon the Bee book now. Well, that's wonderful. How long does it take you to write a book like this? Oh, gosh. Usually, well, the first two books have really come fairly easy as long as I have a topic and think through the plot and the characters that I want in it. It goes fairly quick. But honestly, writing children's books to me is a lot harder than Mm. writing an adult book. Mm. It's just you've got to get the message right in a way that they understand and keep it short and simple. 
And so that's kind of what I do. But it probably took me maybe three months to write it. Another big part of children's books are the illustrations. Uh, What kind of uh, process was that like for you? You know what? I work with Fulton Books, and they are amazing. And their illustrators are top-notch. And if something isn't right, because I have a picture in my mind, then I just kind of let them know, no, can we tweak it this way? Can we do it this way? And they are wonderful to work with. A lot of our listeners are aspiring authors. They want to write their first book. They want to get their message out there to the world. Do you have any words of advice that you could offer? Just do it. If that's a passion, a burning in your heart, then you're supposed to do that. And you just have to make time. Nobody has time. But we have to make the time and sit down and just just start jotting some points down, some bullet points of things that you want to get across, things, the message that you want to bring. And you just start writing and it will come. It, sometimes there's that whole writer's block. Well, then you just stop and you go to it the next day. But it will come and it's amazing. The process is amazing. The name of the book is Brandon the Bee, B-U. It's written by Jan Sherman and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Jan, it was great having you on the show here today. Thank you for putting this great message out there for our children to learn about. I hope we can do this again soon. Absolutely, and thank you so much. Author Jerry Manikin just sat down with me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. You've got a new book out, just hit stores. It's called Only You and God Knows You. I don't understand the Bible, but I do understand God and life. Can you tell me what this is all about? It's about letters that I write for me and the average person. What gave you the inspiration or what sparked you to write this and publish it for the world? Well, one day when I thought about what a priest told me years ago, that I reminded him about one of the saints. I don't remember if he said which one or anything, but that's what kind of prompted me to research the saints. Did you have a target reader audience in mind when you wrote this? Well, ever since I could remember, I was always aware of my God, and I tried to make others aware, but I would never, ever push my beliefs on others. Mm. My letters are my thoughts. Is this the first time you've been published? Yes. The book Only You and God Knows You is the first that is already published, and it took about two years to write. So what advice now could you offer to aspiring authors who also want to get their message out to the world? Take notes of your thoughts. So when you sit down to write, how do you get started? How do you look at that blank page and make the words start to come? Well, all my inspiration came from Simon Peter, the Apostle Simon Peter. When I go going back to the priest that I remind him, one of the saints, I researched the saints. When I got to Simon Peter, it was just like I was looking at my life. Mm-hmm. So when I would think of a word, then I would um, just go with that. What would you say is the most rewarding part of being a published author? Well, finally, after 81 years, I am able to try to help anyone with an open mind to find and believe in God. Now, after working all this time on the book, you have it published, and you get that first copy in your hands. What sorts of thoughts or feelings are going through you at that point? When I first saw my finished published work at home, it was like finally serving our God and hoping it will inspire others to live their life free and without the weight on their shoulders. In other words, let me help carry that burden with these letters. 
Is there a person you can identify in your life who has most inspired you? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, looking down the road, do you have more books in mind? I do. The second one is titled, I Will Gladly Meet You Halfway If I Knew Where to Start. And the third will be, You Will Never Hear I Told You So from Jesus. Now, when it comes to things that you read, personally, I assume that the Bible is a big part of your life. Is there other sorts of reading that you do to keep yourself educated or inspired? Sadly, I'm not much of a reader as my days and nights are full. That's why I make a lot of spelling errors. <laughs> I recommend reading to help correct that, reading books. I think somebody should read at least one book a month. And like I said, I've read the Bible. I don't understand it. This is why I try to write letters for the average person like me. Hmm. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about Only You and God Knows You? Well, the letters I write are meant for me, and I want to share them with whoever wishes to have a happier life and make others happy. Don't wait until tomorrow for your life to begin. Start now. I don't want to have to sneeze before you bless me. And that's pretty much it. And the only thing is, uh, if, if you like the letters, tell your friends. And if you don't, tell your enemies. I love it. The book is called only you and God knows you. I don't understand the Bible, but I do understand God and life. It's written by Jerry Manikin and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Jerry, thanks again for coming by the show and chatting. I had a really nice time tonight. Thank you. I enjoyed the visit. In troubling times, it's comforting to remember that you're not alone. Author Hope Baldwin reminds readers of this in light of current times in her new book, Books Regarding Amid COVID-19, Universal Conversations. Hope's joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Hope. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Can you tell me all about books regarding amid COVID-19? Oh, it's the animated book geared towards children regarding some of the conversations that most children have that are very similar. And I would like to let the children know that they are not alone, that most people are experiencing some of their troubles. How did the idea or inspiration to write this and publish it come about? Well, I wanted to let the children know that they wasn't alone. And of course, I was inspired by my granddaughter. Mm. I wanted to encourage her to know that she is not alone and she experienced in her life pandemic. About how long were you working on it? For about a month. I was also working on a couple of other books, hmm. but I was really, this book was completed in about a month. Now, I love the animated book aspect about it. Can you go into that? Well, I um, thought maybe the animation would really catch the eye of the children. Maybe they'd be more interested in seeing the animated form of it all. Hmm. Without the animation, it may have appeared to be more adult and maybe not have caught the children's interest. So I thought animation was the way to go. Hmm. So how did it feel then when you saw the finished product in your hands after working on it for so long and putting so much hard work and thought into it? It was surreal. Even right now, it's like it, it didn't happen. Someone had called me and congratulated me on the book, and they actually said they enjoyed reading the book, and this was an adult. Mm. And then someone else jokingly said to me, you're the experienced writer, you're the successful author. And I'm like thinking to myself, you're right. I am a successful author. <laughs> <laughs> but I never considered myself to be successful at all. 
But hearing someone say that is like, you know what? You're right. My head held high now and I'm walking more proudly. (laughs) (laughs) It felt awesome. It felt awesome. Oh, it it is so good to hear the encouragement of others. And so while you're writing this, you know, writing a book and publishing a book, working on something like this can just be such a lonely process. It's often just you by yourself doing this. Did you have people who were around you and knew you were writing this and could kind of support you, motivate you along the way? Not at all. Oh, wow. It was a mid-COVID-19, and I live alone. I was in a house alone, and I would get a thought, and I would immediately process it. And then after a couple of days or a week, I would go back and build on the thought. No, no one actually knew I was, not many people knew I was actually writing the book. Hmm. So it was a lonely process, but it was a, it was a good process for me being in COVID-19 alone. You know, it gave hmm. me, it gave me fulfillment knowing that I will be encouraging children. You know, I'm hoping that even if just one child get a good takeaway from my book, it was worth it. Hmm. I'm hearing that from a lot of authors now that they took advantage of all the, quote, free time that the pandemic had created in 2020. And they really put their creativity to work and used that time to tell their stories and to reach out and to help others. And it sounds like you did the same. Yes, yeah, solitude really brings me to writing very effectively. Every time I'm in solitude, I will get a thought and I will constantly build on a thought. Like I said, I'm working on other books also. Mm. Are those books in a different vein than this or are you kind of continuing in this vein? I'm continuing in this vein far as publication. Well, that's wonderful. Do you have any words of advice now for aspiring authors, maybe authors that haven't published their first book yet, but just need a little advice or encouragement? Well, I have a couple of quotes that, that do come to mind, like Nike would say, just do it. And like Oprah Winfrey said, ignore the naysayers. And like I would say, persevere without the baggage. Mm. Learn from your experiences, persevere without the baggage. It's called Books Regarding Amid COVID-19, Universal Conversations, written by Hope Baldwin and published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Hope, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time talking. And Corby, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'd like to welcome to the show right now author Tom Gaskins, Jr. Tom, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for asking me to be on. It's my pleasure. You have a new book out there that I've heard tackles such a wide variety of topics that you never know what's coming next. It's called Cornerstones, so could you tell me all about this? Well, for a number of years, I just, through casual observance and through uh, uh, some not-so-casual observance, I felt like things were going awry in uh, our nation, and I love this nation. So a book uh, began to formulate in my mind. So that's what uh, kicked it off. I needed to come up with what I thought was a foundational name, and so that's how I came up with the name Cornerstones. The cornerstone in a building is a very important building, and I feel like that there are many cornerstones in our lives. But how long were you working on writing this and going through the publishing process? Around figures, I would say eight years. Hmm. And is this the first time you've tackled anything like this? Have you written or published before? This is my first book. Congratulations. It's such a huge accomplishment to get your first book out there. 
So what did it feel like when you got that first copy in your hands? <laughs> that was a moment of elation. Mm. Now, having gone through it for the first time, I'm sure you learned an awful lot about writing and about publishing. What advice could you give to aspiring authors who are listening out there? Don't give up. Hand your manuscript to a number of people who are knowledgeable, who you think will be honest with you and will criticize fairly and uh, give you suggestions. Did you have a certain target readership in mind when you wrote this? No, I did not. I thought of our young people coming up, and I thought of middle-aged people and old people. I, I don't have a particular target. Let's say the citizens of the United States of America. Have you given any thought to writing more books, publishing more? I have. I have a fictitious book in mind, but I don't know that I'll ever get to it. Do you ever get writer's block, especially when it comes to the fiction? That can happen an awful lot. Would that be a problem for you? Not really. No, I, I was uh, enthusiastic from the beginning. My problem was, was where to stop. I kept coming up with additional thoughts, and since the book has been published, <laughs> I have come up with additional thoughts. <laughs> but like one man told me, he said, this book will never let you alone. I mentioned a while ago that I gave the manuscript to a number of people to have their input. One person was uh, our preacher at little, uh, uh, the Church of Christ there in Lake Placid, Florida. I gave him the manuscript. And uh, along the way, he came up with the cover, which I think is a very eye-catching cover. But he's very, very, very widely read. He was years in law enforcement and then 25 years with UPS. But he's a widely read person, and he made this statement. He said, I have read a many a book in my life, but I've never read one like this. And I thought that was a rather profound statement. And that is one reason why I wrote this book. I do not find another book out on the market like this. So many books will take a particular subject and uh, address it, but I have gone from one subject to the other and uh, done the best I could with my nation and with the individual in mind and uh, our civilization as a whole in mind. And like I say in the book, it sounds like you're biting off more than I could chew, but there is another old saying that I go by, and that is, a better world begins with me. Mm -hmm. I like what you have to say here is that we need to pull out the golden rule, dust it off, and hang it back up. I think that's so important, especially right now. That is such a simple message that is so easy to overlook, but that is one of the most powerful, most profane messages on the face of this earth. Hmm. What's wrong with treating other people like you would want to be treated? There's just nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Certainly a lot of wisdom there. Yeah. Now, while you were writing this book, did you have people who knew that you were doing this, taking on such a big project and could kind of motivate you and inspire you? I know you had some people read it along the way and offer you encouragement in that regard. Right. Well, word got out that people would ask me, what am I doing? And I would say, writing a book. Some would laugh in scorn <laughs> and uh, others would be encouraging. Mm. And some would be uh, say, hey, I, I want to read one of the first copies, that kind of thing. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Cornerstones. It's written by Tom Gaskins, Jr., and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Tom, thank you again for joining me here tonight. It was really great having you on the show. Well, thank you for asking me. Author Glenn Kerr glorifies God and looks to bless others in his new book, We're Poetry in Motion, Because Life with Jesus is a Journey. I'm really happy that Glenn is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Glenn, welcome, and thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Your new book, We Are Poetry in Motion. Can you tell me what it's all about? It's about the gospel, Jesus being faithful to him. There's quite a bit about getting saved or redemption, about going home to heaven. It's a book of Christian songs written as poetry. Hmm. I don't play an instrument, so they're just lyrics. Did you have a certain group of target readers in mind when you wrote this? Well, basically, first Christians, because in the day and times we live in, we all need inspiration and a blessing and more of God. And then, of course, if a lost person would read it and get saved, why, that would be the ultimate, you know what I'm saying? Just, I just want people to get a blessing. Hmm. Now, when it comes to writing and publishing, have you done this kind of thing before, or is this your first time at it? No, this is my first time at it. Now, I've done some writing, some poetical writing, limericks and things like that, but not anything really extensive, not anything that, that I thought would be, you know, something that I could actually get published. This is the first. Congratulations on having your first book out in stores. Such a big accomplishment. How long of a process was this? How long were you working on it? Well, I actually started writing just as a hobby in uh, 2016. Last year, when I had so much time off, I had six weeks off because of the COVID pandemic. I started writing again and posting them on Facebook. But I, I started thinking about, you know, something that I could do, do with it anyway. And so it's been, I don't know, basically it was five years because I turned the book in to the publishers and they accepted it in October uh, last year. Uh, when you think about now you're a published author, what do you think the most rewarding part of it is? Well, just the fact of that, you know, first of all, I never thought that I would be a published author. I never really gave it any thought. You know, here I am almost 62 years old, so I've lived a decent life already. But second of all, you know, just grateful to God for what he gives and what he does in my life and the lives of others. Hmm. And after having worked on it all that time, putting so much work into it, when you got that first copy in your hands, what sorts of feelings or thoughts were going through you? Well, there again, you know, surprised that I actually got a book published and then so much gratitude to God. And, and not only that, but as I was posting my songs on Facebook, I was getting a lot of feedback from my friends and family and support. And so, like I said, just a lot of gratitude and thankfulness to all the people that have been involved in the whole process, because it hasn't just been me. Hmm. A lot of our listeners out there right now are thinking about writing a book. They really want to, but they don't know where to go next. Do you have any words of advice, inspiration for them? Well, first of all, just stay at it. You kind of had to believe that you can do it. I trusted God that I could do it. But if a person's not a Christian, still, you know, you have to believe in yourself. And then second of all, you can always go online and check out, you know, writing a book and learning how to do it if you don't know how. You can check out publishers that way. And for Christians, there's a Christian writer's guide that comes out every year hmm. that a person can check out online to help 
there's all kinds of help, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I've been grateful. I didn't really do any of that until after I started having the book published, but I'm not a person who tries to do things on my own. It's always been with God's help. And there is a wealth of resources out there that writers can go and utilize to perfect their craft and to get more motivation and inspiration. Well, looking down the road, have you given any thought to maybe writing more books and getting more published? Actually, yes. Yeah. Since I turned in this book to the publishers and they decided to publish it, Christian Faith Publishing, I'm so thankful to them. Mm. God is good. I've got 75 more songs written since October. Wow. So I've been getting a lot of good inspiration and I'm going to have a, I'm going to turn it in as a three month devotional when I get up to enough songs. Sounds like writing comes pretty easy to you. Do you ever sit down and have trouble, get writer's block or anything like that? Not much. I'd say on not more than half a dozen songs because see what I do is I'll jot stuff down when it comes to me. On my job as a custodian, I have time. I'll listen to a Sirius XM Southern Gospel radio. Hmm. And of course, then I read the Bible and other Christian material, my devotional books. And when I, when I see something, I'll write it down. Because if I don't, I'll forget it. And then, and then all I got to do is just put it together. Absolutely. Very wise of you. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called We Are Poetry in Motion, Because Life with Jesus is a Journey. It's written by Glenn R. Kerr and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Glenn, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad I could do it. God bless everyone. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 